Hello friends, welcome to Village Idiots for Christ, where we're nuts for Jesus and just plain nuts. <laughs> Amen, we're in uh, John 16 today, so i pick right up from John 15, John 16, and uh, uh, just again, Jesus warned him about the world's hatred, you know, in John 15 it says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first, so it goes on to talk about all the things that we're going to go through in the world, amen. Um, so we're going um, verse uh, chapter 16, we're just jumping right on in there. John 16, village it is for Christ. Here we go. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you about this at first because I was with you. So Jesus is starting to prepare them for what's coming after his go after he's gone. And it's going to be heavy. And so they're going to put him out of the synagogue. Um, and he told them this. He didn't want them to go astray. He didn't want them to wander from the faith because of the heavy persecution coming. I mean, heavy, heavy persecution. The first century, second century, third century church was heavily persecuted by the Romans and others. Uh, they put you out of the, they put you out of the synagogue, so they were going to disfellowship them. And then a time has come when anyone who kills you would think he's offering a service to God. That spoke directly about Paul, but not Paul alone. The apostle, well, he became the apostle Paul, but he was Saul of Tarsus. And he thought he was serving God when he was uh, persecuting the church. And he thought he was following the Torah, following the law, and because he thought Jesus was phony. Uh, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Again. When people persecute you like this, you know they don't know the Father and they don't know Christ. That gives you an opportunity. You see, when someone comes at you persecuting you like that, remember what Jesus said. He said, pray for your enemies. Man, pray for these people, man. God wants these people, to, God wants your persecutors and even your murderers to be saved. God loves all people. He's no respecter of person. He loves them as much as he loves you and wants them in the kingdom too. So anytime you're persecuted, see it as an opportunity to pray for the people persecuting you. So, and you'll get Teflon coated. I used to preach out on the road on the CB. People yell at me and I just start praying for them. Man, it's a blessing in praying for those who persecute you. I mean, it's like God just does something to your heart where you can't even be harmed anymore. It's amazing. You really do become Teflon coated by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Um, I've told you this so when the time comes you remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this first because I was with you. So, I see, I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. See, he was protecting them. You know, I mean, he could have called on the angels. I mean, he he had their back. Now that he was leaving, he wanted them, to, you know, he, he wanted them, hey, I'm warning you, just letting you know what's coming. Okay, let's continue on here. And he, Jesus shifts gears. We did the first four verses. Now we're just shifting gears into uh, verse five. Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll get through as much of 16 as we can. We might get through it. We got through um, Hebrews 9 yesterday, and that was a long chapter. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regards to sin, because men do not believe me. In regards to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. In regards to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. That's 5 through 11. Let's just break that down. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Again, Jesus was headed back to the Father after the crucifixion, after his three days in hell, and then, you know, coming back up out of hell, resurrecting from the dead. Boom, he was going back up to his Father, which they saw, which, they, which, they, which you saw in the book of Acts, when he rose right up into the clouds. So, and then he says, yet none of you ask me where you're going. 
It's like, you know, Jesus, it was tough with Jesus. Because sometimes you ask a question, and then Jesus will say, are you still so slow? So you're kind of like, do I really want to ask him a question? I, I would have been a little fearful and trepidatious. If I ask him the wrong question, he's going to ask me if I'm stupid or not. <laughs> hey, Josh, why are you still so dumb, man? Don't you get what I'm trying to say here? Uh, actually not, Lord. I'm really slow. I apologize. <laughs> Because I've said these things, you're feeling good. I mean, you imagine you had the guy with you for three, three and a half years, and now he's going away and you won't see him no more? Man, because some of these cats spent years and decades with their teachers. You know, the Jews especially, you know, the Gamaliel in Book of Acts, he was a teacher for decades from what I understand. And he could have taught these people and they could have been around him for a long, long time. It's amazing. So let's continue on. Um, so again, you know, you'd be brokenhearted if Jesus was walking, you know, going away. It would hurt you. It would be hard to deal with. Amen. But I tell you the truth, it is not for your good that, that, that is, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the council will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Man, they had no idea what was coming with the Holy Spirit. Man, they're about to be so blessed. Man, the Holy Spirit. Whew. Man, how could you live without the Holy Spirit? If you experience the Holy Spirit, you know you can't live without Him. And Paul, even Pete, even um, David, who had a limited concept of the Holy Spirit, he said, Lord, take not your spirit from me. Man, you don't want to be without the Holy Spirit, man. Absolutely not. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regards to sin. See, he's the, he's the one that convicts the world. He's the one that convicts men of their sin. Don't forget that. It's the Holy Spirit goes and moves in their heart. He's the one affecting the world around us and us personally and the world around us. He's the one the Father's using to convict the world, to challenge the world, to, to bring it under, under conviction so they'll repent. Uh, convict the world of guilt in regards to sin, righteousness and judgment, in regards to sin, because men do not believe in me. So he's always trying to reach those who don't believe in him through the Holy Spirit, always trying to tweak their heart, always, always striving with them, trying to get them to come. In regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. I mean, I mean, there you go, righteousness with the Father, amen. And in regards to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And even he's, he's, now this is before his crucifixion, but you know, Jesus knew it was basically a past tense thing. He knew what was coming. Like his father, he had all knowledge. And uh, once Christ was uh, crucified, died, buried, and then again, you know, once, once he was crucified, that's it. The prince of this world, the devil, stood condemned. Man, as the Bible says somewhere, I think it's in Acts or in Corinthians, if, if they had understood what they were doing, they never would have crucified Jesus. They had no understanding. God hid it from them. So when they crucified Jesus, they fulfilled God's word perfectly. So the Holy Spirit coming for great purposes. You see all the work in sin, righteousness, judgment. All of this is fulfilled by the Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit so desperately. Let's go on to verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. Isn't that awesome? He will not speak on his own. He will speak uh, only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, get this. This is exactly how Jesus operated on the planet, the same way. Jesus said, I do not speak on my own, but I only tell you what the Father tells me to tell you. And Jesus is basically saying the same thing about the Holy Spirit. See what he said here? He will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Do you get what's going on here with the Father? The Father through Jesus, and then the Father now through... God the Father wants to be so intimately involved with people. But he's, again, he's on the throne and he's high and lifted up and 
And, and so he uses the conduit. Jesus was a conduit, and then the Holy Spirit's a conduit to get the Father's voice, to get the Father's will to us. I don't understand why God does it this way. He just chooses to do it this way. I guess so they can all operate in concert because they're all one. They all love each other. So they all work together in this. But God sent Jesus, and he spoke through Jesus. Again, he gave Jesus the word. And again, he says he will not speak on his own, the Holy Spirit. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. God loves you so much. He wants to be so intimate with you that he used first Jesus and now the Holy Spirit. And when, so when the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, that's the Father speaking to you directly. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit never says anything to you without permission from the Father. In fact, again, he does not speak. He speaks only what he hears. Think about that. He hears. You ask the Holy Spirit a question. And then the Holy Spirit, you know, gets the answer from the Father because the Father can hear. The Father can hear everything that you're praying and stuff, of course. Man, God wants to be directly involved with your life. He gives everything the Holy Spirit's telling you. He's telling the Holy Spirit to tell you. That's what this verse says. Man, I love these Bible studies. Man, I'm learning so much my stuff. I don't know all this stuff either. Man, man, amazing. Uh, let's continue on here. He, oh, man. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Holy Spirit, through the Father, knows everything yet to come. All future events. That's the one living inside you knows every future event. You don't have to have any fear. This corona, this garbage. You have to have any fear. Every future event the Holy Spirit knows through the Father. Don't be have any fear. Don't be afraid. The one living inside you is greater than the one that lives in the world, the Bible says. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Gosh. He will bring glory to he'll bring glory to Christ by taking from what is mine, taking from what is Christ um, and making it known to you. Jesus wanted to be intimately involved with you too. the father and Jesus both working through the Holy Spirit to be intimately involved with your life. You look at yourself like you're nothing. I look at myself in the mirror and go that there's a mirror right in front of me. And I say the Bible says that I that Jesus was made sin so that I'd be made the very righteousness of God. I look at that thing in the mirror. and I go that cannot be the righteousness of God. That's got to be a mistake because that don't look like the righteousness of God to me. But I am the righteousness of God. And if you're in Christ, you're the righteousness of God. It's a declaration. We don't understand the fullness. We won't till eternity. But man, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all connected. What was what was the Father? See what Jesus said? Uh, all that belongs to the Father is mine. There's no selfishness, no self-centeredness in these guys. They totally love each other. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, desperately, passionately, awesomely in love with one another, sharing everything together, working in their divine order, perfect order, however they've set it up. So to get to us, man, man, these, these, these scriptures are so precious. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Jesus said, all that belongs to God the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to Jesus. Because what was the Father was Jesus. So when he took what was Jesus's, he was taken from the Father because the, everything that Jesus had was from the Father. <laughs> is your head exploding yet? Mine is. Gosh. And this God, this Father, this Son, this Holy Spirit wanted to be intimately involved with you and me. Love, 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 desperate. God so loved people. He so loved the world. He so loved people. Man. 
In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. He's talking about his crucifixion, then his, re- then his resurrection. Man, I hope you guys listen to this. I hope you meditate. I hope you, if you need to listen to this a couple times, going down the road, going to work, I- I'm just throwing it out there as I see it. I go line by line, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we see what we come up with. It's just... And let's continue on verse 17. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying a little while you will see me no more? Then after a little while you'll see me in his end because I'm going to the father. Because I'm going to the father. They kept asking, what does he mean in a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. So these guys had no clue. He's going to be gone for a little while. He's coming back. And he kept, they kept that, um, and go, and because I am going to the father, they didn't understand he was going to be, they didn't know at this point right here that he's going to be crucified. They, they kept waiting, you know, the Jewish conception was a great military leader, the Messiah, was going to rise up and overthrow the Romans. That was their conception. That's what they were taught in synagogue. Then they did not see the suffering servant. They didn't see the Isaiah 53 savior. No, they saw this. They saw the they saw the they saw the the mighty conquering David type savior. You know, the guy that conquers all. That's who they saw. And they were dead wrong. They missed the whole salvation part of this through the suffering Messiah. And so they didn't understand. They didn't understand the cross yet. Let's continue on. Verse 19. Jesus saw they wanted to ask about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And so he's asking, okay, this, do you want to ask me this? Well, let's get talking about it. He says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. And boy, that's the truth. Boy, it broke their heart when Jesus was crucified. And the world, <coughs> the world threw a party, man. I always, grieves me. It always breaks my heart when they mock Jesus on the cross. The dude's hanging on a cross. Why don't you just leave him alone? They mocked him on the cross after he had nails in his hands and his feet. Oh, you know, just talk about insult on top of injury, man. Craziness. Mean-spiritedness, man. A guy's on a cross. Why don't you just give him a break? He's going to die. Why don't you leave him alone? Give him a little peace before he dies. Never understand that kind of meanness. You um, you will grieve. Your grief will turn to joy, man. Did it ever when he was resurrected. A woman gives birth to a child. A woman, who, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of the, her joy that a child is born in the world. Amen. Boy, that's the truth, man. If it weren't the truth, women would have one child and go, no way am I ever going through that again. <laughs> but that's how it is with Christ. He continues, so so with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy, man. That's why these guys were the eyewitnesses. They saw all this with their own eyes. They could testify personal personal intimate knowledge of christ they saw this alone the only danger about that not for these guys but for what's coming on the earth is the antichrist in his darkness is going to pursue the same tact with man he's going to be resurrected from the dead he's going to appear to have all power and he's and we're going to and the world's going to be eyewitnesses of this guy especially when he's resurrected from the dead at the midway point in the tribulation so, so he's he's going to take a similar attack. These guys, Jesus took with his disciples. He's going to take with the world. Look, you see me? I can call fire out of the sky. I can use my my uh, my prophet, you know, the false prophet. I can use him, and he can do miracles. So it's going to there's going to be a lot of eyewitness testimony to back up Antichrist. But it's all powered by the devil. Second Thessalonians two warns us of the lying deceptions, the lying signs, miracles, wonders coming. So he's going to copy what Jesus was doing here. But he's going to copy it in darkness and in sin. Whew, man, 
Talk about counterfeiting, man. Um, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell, I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked me for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Man, do we believe this? I've I've prayed with people before. You know, in the middle of the prayer, they're going, well, maybe it isn't God's will to answer this prayer. And I'm like, I'm like, I get angry, and I admit it. I'm like, shut up. Keep your doubt and unbelief to yourself. And the Bible's clear. I mean, I mean, okay, you're praying a prayer outside God's will. Of course, you know, God, God kill all the Democrats. God kill all the Republicans. Whatever, you know. I mean, God killed Donald Trump. God killed Joe Biden. I mean, of course, God's not going to answer stupid prayers like that. But if you're praying according to his will, if you know his word, you're going to know his will. As he says right here, um, I tell you the truth. See, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever he asks. So they were dealing with Jesus here. But he's saying, look, you're not going to ask me anything. You're gonna, I'm going to make access for you to go directly to the Father and ask him in my name. And he says, um, I tell you the truth, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask will give you whatever you ask in my name. But we still have to have faith believing that God's going to answer that prayer. You know, I, um, James talks about a man being tossed to and fro as in the ways and the sea. So a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from God. But you should always pray believing. Always pray believing. Always. If you can't pray believing, don't pray something. Don't pray with kind of want to, sort of. Pray, Lord, I'm asking for this, Lord. I'm asking in Jesus' name. Your word says you'll give me what I ask in Jesus' name. I, by faith, believe it. That's why Psalms 91 for me has been my anti-corona thing from the beginning. It says right there, no plague, no pestilence will come near me. I believe that. And I've been praying that since the beginning of this. Well, I've known it for a long time. But I believe fully that the, the plague and pestilence of, of a coronavirus, which is desolating the whole world, maybe, that it's not going to come near me. I just don't believe. I'm not receiving it. And I don't believe, and I believe fully I'm going to get through this time without it. Because I believe what the Word of God says, and I take it as my own. Well, you can do that personally. You can make this Word your own. That's what Jesus is saying here. Ask the Father anything in my name, and He will do it for you. Again, balance it out. Like I said, you can't pray against the will of God. Ask God something against His will because you're praying in Jesus' name. It does, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like I said, I prayed those stupid prayers at the beginning of this. You can't pray stupid stuff and ask God to bless it because it's in Jesus' name. Come on, you have, you know, this is common sense. You know, I, I have fun all the time. But again, you know what I'm saying here. Until now, you're not asking. You're asking, you'll receive, and your joy will be complete. Man, man, you see those answer prayer. Me and my friend Mark pray for his daughter. Um, a year ago, six months ago, to be healed. Boom, she got healed. You know what? Pray, we believed, and she got healed. Amen. I'm not no super saint. I'm just an idiot, truck driver. But I believe. Me and him believed together, and God healed her. There you go. Let's continue on. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that that I will ask the father on your behalf. No, the father himself loves you because I have, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the father. Wow. Said a lot right there. Let's break it down. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time has come when I'll no longer use this kind of language, but I'll tell you plain about my father. So the parables and all this stuff, I mean, he wasn't giving all the, the apostles everything. You know, he was still speaking figure to them, but he said, hey, the time, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to just talk plainly about these things. Amen. Uh, in that day, you will, ask, you, will, you will ask in my name. 
I am not saying that you ask the, I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. If you love Jesus, the Father loves you. He said right there, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. And I believe that I came from God. If you if you love Jesus and believe Jesus came from God, guess what? The Father Himself loves you because you believe the Son and you believe He came from the Father. There's right there. There's the proof of the love right there. Do you love Jesus? You believe God sent Him? Boom! God loves you. It says right there. Let's read it again. Let's read it for the third time. No, the Father Himself loves you. The Father Himself loves you, Bob, and loves me, Josh, and loves you, Mark, and loves you, Cindy, and loves you, Fred. And Bob and everybody else, he loves you. Why? Because you love the Son, you love Jesus, and you believe God sent him. So simple. Amen. You don't believe God loves you. Do you love Jesus? Do you believe God sent him? He loves you. It's automatic. It says right there, he loves you because you love Jesus and God because you believe God sent him. So simple. Let's continue on here. Uh, in that day you will ask me anything. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. And believe that I came from God. I came from the Father, entered the world, now leaving the world, going back to the Father. Say, say, look, I came from the Father, came to the world, now I'm going back to the Father. And then the boys answer him. Then Jesus, the sub, said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even have to, you do not even have to ask anyone, uh, ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. So finally they got it. He's from God. At least they're vocalizing it now that he's from God. Uh, and then Jesus in verse 3. We're almost done, by the way. Uh, oh, 21 minutes. We're fine. You believe at last, Jesus answered. He, Jesus goes, whew, party time. They believe at last. Amen. But a time is coming, has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all lonely. I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. One of the most greatest verses. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus said, you believe at last. The time is coming. And has come, so it was right upon them, uh, when you will be scattered to each to his own home. Again, they were scattered after the Lord's Supper. They were. The only apostle appears, the only apostle of the cross was John. Out of all the twelve, only John and Mary and Mary Magdalene. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father of me. The Father was always with him. I have told you these things so, so that you may have peace. Amen. I have peace. You hear all this? Don't you have peace? That God loves you because you love Jesus and know Father. Peace, man. You have peace. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. This world is hard. And Satan's kicking our butts a lot of the time. He comes at us with temptation, oppression, depression, suicidal thoughts, <laughs> murderous thoughts, craziness, insanity. But the one that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. And Jesus has overcome the world. His resurrection proves that he overcame the world. That's why you got to believe he was resurrected from the dead to be saved. He overcame the world. And we overcome with him. Amen. I can feel the wind of the Spirit blowing on this one. I hope you enjoyed it, John 16. Next week we're in the 17. Or whenever I get to. I'm going on vacation next week, so if you don't see me, uh, I'm doing Revelation Wednesday tomorrow. Then that's probably it for a week and a half. I apologize. If I can do some on vacation, I will. But generally, my wife gets all my time. If you're going to balance things out, you got to balance them out. If you're on vacation, wife, spend your time with your wife or husband or whoever. Amen. Love you, love you. Can't get enough of you. Hope you got blessed. God loves you because you love Jesus and believe God sent him. Isn't that cool? What a cool thought. Amen. Love you, love you.
friends, welcome to Village Idiots for Christ, where we're nuts for Jesus and just plain nuts. It's Tuesday, the 8th, I think, and we're still in Romans 15. We did a small part of it, and where I've got it marked is changes, just change tempo there. So this is Village Idiots for Christ, both the video and the podcast. So hope you enjoy this. We're going to jump right on in there. Tomorrow is Wet Revelation Wednesdays. What we're going to start, we're going to continue to do, uh, if you're interested, um, I'm just going to teach Revelation on Wednesday from now on until the Lord comes back, probably. <laughs> unless, unless I run out of things to say, which I doubt with Revelation. It's such a rich thing. Um, we're going to we're gonna do that uh, just every Wednesday. When I, when I run to the end, chapter 22, and start the next week in one. Revelation is something that needs to stay out in front of everybody right now. We all need more uh, revelation of revelation. Those that read it and hear it are blessed. And this is an hour when those things are probably going to start coming to pass, if they are not already. The birth pains of Christ may already be taking place, as Jesus himself spoke about, as we see in there in the early chapters in Revelation. So so let's get back here to Romans 12. Let's just jump right on in. I mean, Romans 15. we got one more chapter, and then we're done with Romans. I'm not sure where I'm going after this somewhere, but uh, we're just going to keep on going. Uh, here we go. Chapter, this is verse 7. We, love, we did 1 through 6 last time. Accept one another just as then, just as Christ accepts you and in, in you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the Jews on behalf of God's truth. <laughs> There's so much here already. To confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, and who, one who will arise to rule over the nations, the Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My goodness. There's four references to Gentiles here. It's amazing. And I'm, uh, let's see here. If I, can, if I can do it real quick here. Uh, one is Psalms 18, uh, 18, 4 through 1849. The other is Deuteronomy 32, 43. The other one is... Uh, let's see, wait a minute. I make sure I'm doing this right. Um, and then M as Psalms 117.1, and then Revelation uh, Revelation 5.5. So you've got Psalms, Deuteronomy, Psalms, and Revelation. Four references, one from the Old New Testament for the Old Testament, four references to the Gentiles. Man, it was always God's, God had to bring about his people so he could bring, bring the Christ through a people. But then he wanted to bring the rest of us in. What a merciful, gen- generous, gentle God he really is. He didn't have to include us. He could have just wiped all the Gentiles out and made this about the Jews. But he wanted it to be bigger than the Jews by themselves. He wanted to, to bring us again and graft us into the Jews according to Romans 11 and 12. So we are blessed. So let's just go. Let's just go. That was verses 7 through 13. And then we'll see how far we get. We, got, we still have 14. 14 through 32, 33. So we're probably not going to finish Romans 15 today. Again, it's so rich. But again, 
That we're, you know, most of us in Christ are Gentiles. The Jews are coming. Zechariah 12 talks about the, the national redemption of Israel at the end of the tribulation period. The Jews are going to know Christ in mass one day. But right now, the Gentiles in mass know him. So let's, this again, let's read this real quick again. I like to go over it twice. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know why we accept, you know why we accept one another? Because Christ accepted us. It's like extending, Christ extends mercy to you by accepting you. So we extend mercy to each other. It's common sense and common courtesy. If God loved you enough through his son to extend mercy to you, wouldn't you want to extend it to someone else? Man, it's just, I, this should be simple, but man, we have such a hard time with these things. The body of Christ is, is at odds most of the time with itself. And it brings praise to God when we do this. For I tell you, Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. See, Christ became was a servant of the Jews. On behalf of God's truth, I love that. Isn't that a beautiful thought? On behalf of God's truth, Christ was a servant to the Jews to confirm the promises made to the... Jesus confirms the promise. Jesus himself confirms the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to Moses. Jesus himself is the confirmation. He's the fulfillment of everything. All those promises made in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Christ. All of it. Everything was fulfilled in Jesus at the cross and at his resurrection. Everything. Amazing. And and so and again, made to the patriarchs. Again, then he brings us in here in verse 9. So that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Man, think about that. We are glorifying God. Why? Because he's merciful to us. Like I said, he could have wiped out the Gentiles in integrity. He could have said, no, this is just for the Jews, just for my people. Sorry, everybody else, you're out. He didn't have to include us, but because he's merciful, he did. And then the, the four references to the Gentiles. Let's go through them quickly. Therefore, I'll praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing hymns to your name. Isn't that just beautiful? I don't need to comment on that. I'll praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing hymns to your name. And again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. We rejoice with the Jews. Amen. His, that's why, again, you read stuff like this. Don't believe replacement theology. It's a lie from hell. Right here. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Man, it's not either or here. It's his people, and we're part of that. We're joined into them. We're engrafted in, Romans 11 and 12. Man, with his people. We're not replacing his people. That's such nonsense. Israel being reborn, May 14th, 1948, should tell you something. The nation of Israel reborn, them getting their capital back, Jerusalem in 67, should tell you something. They're here to stay. They're the size of New Jersey. And they're here in the middle of all that Arab land. This tiny little sliver of a land called Israel is a thorn in the side of all those people. They're back. Like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said in The Terminator, I'll be back. You know what? They'll be back. They are back. <laughs> and not to terminate, but to germinate, to bring life to the world through his son, through, through God's son. Isn't that cool? Again, and verse 11, again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. Man, we just should be praising God all the time. And verse 12, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. Man, are we hoping in Jesus or what? We sure enough are. Man, good stuff, isn't this? Aren't you glad God is merciful to us? Aren't you? Doesn't it blow your mind how much he loves us?
It blows my mind how much he loves I look at myself in the mirror and it's like, why do you love me so much? I'm such an idiot. And I feel like an idiot most of the time. I fall short. I'm absent-minded. I can't ask my wife. I can't remember anything. I don't, most of the time, don't like the way I look. You know, I don't feel like special. I don't feel like I'm God's son, really. Come on. Most of us feel that way. But, man, these are precious promises to us. We get beyond the flesh and see what he sees in the spirit. Uh, Verse 13 again. May the God of hope, he's the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace. He wants to fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. As you trust in him. Amen. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to overflow with hope. Wow. Amen. And let's go on down. Let's just keep on trucking here. I'm going to go to the end here. We may stop right down this next section. These are called personal. Paul, the minister to the Gentiles. Uh, Verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Boy, Paul was schmoozing these guys up. (laughs) I'm having fun. I myself am convinced. He was convinced. Paul, this was genuine. My brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness. That's beautiful. Complete in knowledge. That's pretty cool. And competent to instruct one another, man. Paul was lifting these these boys up. I have written you quite boldly on some points as to remind you of them again because the grace of God, because of the grace of God, because, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles with a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so the Gentiles might become an offering except to God sacrificed, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That is so beautiful. Wow. So Paul wrote quite boldly on some points. Paul as one bold guy. Paul always scared me. I read Paul. I could never relate to Paul. I am not a bold man. I have friends that are bold like this. I'm not bold. These kind of people. I've got a friend of mine, Doug, and that guy's bold as this as Paul. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't even be friends. I don't hang out with bold people. I just I, they intimidate me, you know, and just just the way it is. So Paul, bold man for God. Um uh, to, uh, to, uh, quite boldly to remind you of, of them again because of grace of God because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus uh, interesting point uh, Paul who was the Pharisee became the minister to the Gentiles again this is the counterintuitiveness of God God didn't want them trusting their own strength might and power he wanted them to have to trust the spirit so Paul was it, the Jews were foreign nation to the to, to especially the the religious leaders they had nothing to do with the jews i mean to the gentiles nothing to do with outsiders outside of israel they never did that was forbidden so for paul to be the minister to the gentiles is all god and peter who was a fisherman who was quite aware of and and, and uh, associated with gentiles he became the minister to the jews isn't that cool god made them god took them away from their strengths and made them have to totally depend on him to minister the way they did truly amazing um with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of god so paul's priestly duty as a priest of god was to proclaim the gospel of god of, of god's son so the gentiles might become an offering Isn't that beautiful we're an offering acceptable to god sanctified by those you and i as gentiles are an offering an offering acceptable to god sanctified by the holy spirit 
That's why we're special. We're not special because of us. We're special because of God. We're special because of the Holy Spirit in us, sanctifying us. He's setting us apart. He's making us holy. We have nothing. We have no holiness in us. We have in the flesh. We're a mess. All of us are a mess in the flesh. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that blow your mind? blows my mind it's like wow god <laughs> again just amazing how much he loves us therefore i glory in christ jesus and my service to god Isn't that beautiful i glory he gloried in christ in his service to god i will not venture to speak of anything except what christ has accomplished through me and leading the gentiles to obey god by what i have said and done so paul was keeping it to about his own ministry i will not venture to speak of anything except what christ has accomplished through me paul wasn't boasting paul was just telling the news hey this is what god's you know go i'm going to ephesus to to thyatira i'm going all these places i'm i'm, I'm doing missionary journeys and he was just reporting the news and he wasn't he wasn't glorying in his flesh he was glorying in what god was doing through him uh to the accomplished through me uh, in leading Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done. It was by what Paul, and especially what he wrote. I mean, man, I mean, how could I live without this book of Romans? I believe he wrote Hebrews, although it's, we're not sure about that. But how could you live without Hebrews? Man, how can I live without Galatians 5, 6, my favorite verse. The only thing that counts faith expressing itself through love. And Paul wrote that. Man, man. Verse 19, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. Again, they, these guys flowed in signs, miracles, and wonders by the power, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. This guy left no stone unturned. This guy preached to everybody and anyone who would listen. And those that didn't want to listen, he was chasing them down. I'm having fun. Man. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I've been often, I've been often been hindered in coming to you. Amen. Man. Paul was, Paul just wanted to be a trailblazer. I mean, Paul didn't want to go behind somebody else. Paul wanted to blaze the trail. He was, he's a trailblazer. Amazing guy. Again, don't you love it? Those who are not told about him will see. Isn't that cool? Those who have not heard will understand. Man, it's God doing his work. Paul planted and watered the seeds, but God's given the growth. Amazing. Um, no, we're going we're gonna to stop there. We're 14 minutes in. It'll be a little short day today. Because this, from verse 23 down to 33... And um, it changes it changes tone a little bit here. So I don't want to jump in, just totally shift gears here again. So we'll pick up the rest of this. The um, rest of this next next time we, we teach on Romans. But I hope you enjoyed Romans, Romans 15, part two <laughs> next week or whenever it'll be part three. But um, don't you, aren't you thankful that God loves us? He chose, he made the choice to love you. God first, uh, God first loved us. God so loved the world. He loves us. He loves you. He loves you. Aren't you glad that we're not cut off at the knees because we're Gentiles, but that we are loved by God and will always be loved by God for eternity. And Jew and Gentile, there's no genealogies anymore. We're one in Christ. Jew and Gentile, male and female, bond and free, great and uh, rich and poor, 
great and small, we're all one in Christ. Satu Dalam Christo, that's Indonesia, Bahasa Indonesia, the language of Satu Dalam Christo, one in Christ, Satu one, Dalam in, Christo or Christ. We are one in Christ. God isn't going to go, here's Jewish heaven, here's Presbyterian heaven, there's Baptist heaven. No, it's going to be heaven. <laughs> it's going to be the new Jerusalem. It's going to be the new heavens and earth for all of us together. All of us one in Christ forever. Isn't it beautiful? We're all going to be one together. We're going to know each other perfectly. It won't matter our genealogy. And then all that will matter is our hearts towards God and towards each other forever. Man, love you, love you. Can't get enough of you. I hope you had a good day today. And I hope you're going to have a good night tonight. I hope you enjoyed this. Love you, love you.